0: Ready on the Roar.
1: Crouch. Bind. Set. Stay behind the ball, Save
2: behind the ball.
0: The feed's good. Under pressure, at the back is to clerk. It spits away. New Zealand desperately trying to rip it back from the box. It's gone down. Who's coming up with it? That might be it. South Africa fulfilled their destiny as history makers. They become the only team to win four World Cups. Their reign over the rugby world is going for four more years.
3: Yeah, there it was. The crucial last scrum, the ultimate contest in the biggest game of the last four years. And it's South Africa who have claimed a record fourth Rugby World Cup, taking up the final at the Stade de France in Paris on Saturday night, a Sunday morning, Australian time. Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. We're powered by ASICS. And I'm joined by my very happy Regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host Harry Jones, somewhere in the bowels of the Stade de France, and our favourite Australian rugby tourist, Jim Tucker, for the instant reaction to South Africa taking out a titanic 2023 Rugby World Cup 12-11 over New Zealand. Harry Jones, talk to us, mate. How was that?
1: (laughs) Hey, hello, everyone. I just want to say,
3: I love everyone. I love France. I love the French. I love all the stadiums. I love everything about this country. I'm moving to here tomorrow. You're going to be here for, for, for a good while, I'm sure. It's, uh, it's, it's good to have um, you family. You know, I, the I, I,
0: noise is incredible.
1: I was going to sit in the family section of the box. And so it was really emotional. I would say at the end we were all crying. And during the match... Bombay wife and kid. I mean, I was actually holding the kid at some point, the baby, and just telling her it's going to be all right. So it was really a super of emotion. It was all green. So I don't know how the Kiwis did, but I will say this. I've never seen a scrum stand up to the spring box as well as the All Blacks did. It, yeah. the Kiwis fought to the end. Uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, the impacts on the field uh, from 10 rows up. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. It was it was off the scale. So, yeah. well done, uh, New Zealand All Blacks. All Blacks played like warriors on the night. It was just a matter of one or two bounces here and there.
3: Well, I can I can show you what it looked like, what you did look like on the on, on, what it looked like in the stands because uh, you came up on my TV. So I'll post it up on my socials. Um, whilst we've been trying to track you down, and and it has taken a bit, Jim and I have actually spoken. Uh, to Martin Devlin there in the Media Centre. So, Jim, we're still trying to track down Harry Jones, and we will track him down here very shortly, I'm I'm sure. Um, But we are joined there in the Media Centre at the Stade de France by New Zealand radio broadcaster from the Platform Network over the ditch and in a different part of the Stade de France to wherever our absent friend is right now. Martin Devlin, how are you feeling right now?
2: Uh, look, I've got a wave of emotions, guys, going through me at the moment. I mean, I'm absolutely gutted as a New Zealander, as an all-black fan. You know, you grow up and this is our national team. This is our this is our favourite team. And how, where do I start? Look, I think that I've got to congratulate South Africa. I mean, they won the game and it's just too easy at to a time like this to be bitter and twisted about it and talk about refereeing and talk about decisions and talk about all the things that you did wrong. But ultimately, you know, this is a team... And Jim's going to make the point as well a little later on that has won three back-to-back games by a single point. This is a team that absolutely tackled their heart out. It was so physical during that game. Uh, We denied them a point in the second half. I mean, just think about that down to 14 men and played for 50 minutes. But that's the point, and that's one key point. We made it so difficult for ourselves. You know, you can't win a rugby world cup final when you're making such basic errors of first, mm. you know, phase possession. We're missing lineouts, we're losing that, we're dropping the ball in the midfield. And then, of course, we're playing with 14 men again and again, the all blacks, this discipline, this ill discipline, we usually lose a yellow card. Sam Kane, I feel for this guy because as this is David Becker moment in New Zealand sport, you know, and I hope Sam you turn your social media off for the next twelve months at least mate because you know the vitriol and the spit that we see from that look he went in with a tackle it's the law of the the game that the way it's played at the moment I understand that at the same time I'm sitting there going well why didn't Khaleesi get a red card I've I feel a bit conflicted to be perfectly honest guys because half of me wants to shout and scream and go this was wrong and this was wrong but at the same time (laughs) I've got to be gracious and I've got to actually acknowledge the fact that the world champions are the world champions and you know the scoreboard doesn't lie Jim I always say that in sport
4: yeah I mean you Very gracious, Martin. I mean, the South Africans were absolutely immense. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think of the the camera flashing to Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic, brilliant, brilliant tennis players winning five-set matches, and and this is what this match was. It was uh, an absolute cliffhanging Grand Slam final and was decided in the last game, the last moments of, of the match, really, for one point. Result to South Africa, huge. Uh, Peter Steff de Toit, incredible performance, and I, I'd say the most significant double-barred name in World Cup history since William <laughs> Weberlis. Really, <laughs> I mean, he just has this ability to rise to the occasion. It's nearly like, thirty yeah. tackles, yeah. and when you see the crunch he put into them, uh, remarkable.
3: Yeah, just uh, absolutely, absolutely incredible game. Absolutely incredible game, wasn't it? It was. Is there is there solace, Martin, in that it took an absolute blockbuster performance from the box to stop New Zealand in their tracks so often and, and that New Zealand did get as close as they did with 14 men for, for, for 60 minutes?
2: I mean, if you ask France that same question, Brett, in 2011, where it was a one-point margin, they'd say, you know, um, "Hell no," well, you know. And, and, and no, right at the right at the moment, there isn't. I mean, you lose by a point, you lose by 20 points. I think more of the frustration is is that. You know, most of us, when we played that quarterfinal against Ireland, most All Blacks fans, we genuinely didn't think this team was capable of playing at that level and winning that Mm. game. Then, of course, we had Argentina, we're in the final. And, you know, we're up against a box side. And you've got to remember that this side has played a titanic match against Ireland. They played a tough one against Tonga. They played Scotland. They played France. They played England. And then they, the same group of players, go out and do that play the All Blacks. And so this is why, Jim, I concur to you that when you've won six yeah. matches like that to win a World Cup, you've got to add all of that up. But no, I mean, it's more from our point of view that, you know, all you want is you want your team to perform at the level you know that they can. And this All Black side proved that against Ireland that they can go to that level. But we didn't see enough of that tonight. Mm. You know, we saw Richie Mwanga miss kicks at goal. We saw, look, I mean, Jordy Barrett, that last one. You know, Andre Pollard, would he have got one of those kicks? And that could have been the difference? Probably. You know, these are the finest of margins, aren't they? But, you know, you need that to win a Rugby World Cup. You can't go in there and make errors, get cards, miss kicks, and then at the end of it be bitter and twisted about it. And so, as bitter and twisted as I am, you know, I all I can say is that the, the better team did win. The better team played better than us on the night.
3: Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? I said, last, I said during the week coming into this game that it will be fascinating to see how they're both holding up because New Zealand had a, a certainly an easier game last week against Argentina. Uh yeah, they they had a they had, had an extra day in there. They played the Friday night. Uh, yeah, they've certainly had an easier run than than South Africa did through the knockout stage where they had you know three now really hard games. But it didn't look like that. Of the of the two when the two teams come off at half time, it still looked to me, and they'd done a mountain of defense it still looked to me like South Africa were a bit fresher. And so maybe that was actually the fatigue factor of being down a man for 20 minutes, already playing a part at at that point. How did you guys see that? I
4: thought uh, New Zealand uh, with 14 men looked like uh, they were on equal footing throughout the game, Mm. essentially. Um, I I never thought New Zealand played less than uh, the heart of 15 men. They uh, really threw everything at it. But to Martin's point, I hadn't seen Richie Mwanga drop a ball down the short side the whole season and just in a a finally just uh, put it to ground. Slippery conditions, that also played that little 3 or 4% factor that was to South Africa's benefit in the game. You saw uh, their success putting the high kick up. They're they're so comfortable in their skin as a rugby team. And that just played out through the game. They brought on – they went in – almost ridiculously with seven forwards and one back. Yeah. Didn't play a factor, even though they lost their hooker in the first couple of minutes of the game. That That's remarkable. And Furee had a blinder coming off the bench and lightly yeah, used. and yeah. He's almost as old as Martin and I. And he played <laughs> really, really well. And uh, their substitutes were brilliantly executed in the second half, brought on that extra uh, crunch. Uh, they just had a, a really great balance, the South Africans, and I would say a better team than the 2019 champions. Uh, that crunch, um, detoy and Etzebeth particularly, uh, Pollard precision, uh, the squeeze in the centres from Diolonde and Creel was outstanding, and then desperation and speed like um, Kurt Lee, and um, Cheslin Colby. Brilliant.
3: Mm, yeah, the sights of, of, of Colby, in those last ten minutes, Martin, oh. he's sitting sitting there in the in the Naughty Chair. He just had his jumper pulled up over his head. And that's a feat in itself with modern day rugby jerseys. But he could not bear to watch that last eight minutes he was off the field. It was it was it was quite something.
2: Look, I would have liked to have seen Sam Kane cam for the last 40 minutes as well because I you know yeah. I don't know the pained expression that that guy would have on his face. I mean, here's a guy who again has been much maligned in New Zealand and this is another one of the frustrations himself and the coach Ian Foster. You know, they're that close Ian Foster would have been Sir Ian Foster at the end of this if he had won that final. Sam Kane would have gone down as one of the great redemption stories in New Zealand rugby. And sport can be so cruel like that, can't it? Mm. And, and, you know, and I hope that that's not the narrative, but I, I, can, I, I know the way that the New Zealand public operate and I know the way the New Zealand media operate and they're so quick to turn. I don't want to bring up the refereeing. I don't want to bring up the confused rulings, but I'm bloody going to because it this, this is the this is this is you know this is the shop window of the sport. This is where you want the rest of the world watching. The World Cup final is an event in itself, be it football or be it rugby. It doesn't matter, be it basketball. It doesn't matter what it is. Are we happy with that? Are we happy being confused about the rulings? Are we happy with the fact that the crowd groans every time that you know the referee does this and it goes to the TMO? Are we happy that you know there was a a really confused one where we score a try and yet the All Blacks knock it on at the line out, but then we get a penalty. And wouldn't that be playing an advantage? And you know, I mean, I'm sitting there scratching my head with a lot of this. And I just, mm. I, I, I don't want to sound as though I'm a sore loser because it's not that. But at the same time, I think the sport deserves better than that, doesn't it? It deserves mm. a, a, a game that we can all watch and we can enjoy and we can understand. But that last scrum, I'm sitting there going, what the hell? Is that? I mean, we monster, it seemed like we monster their scrum. I'm on the other side of the field, boys. I'm right up high on the other side of the field but instead of actually being a penalty which a penalty decided the semi-final for South Africa it goes back to a scrum reset so yeah uh, i mean it's not why we lost but at the same time again it's a frustration at the end of it mm. that you wish you weren't talking about this and we were talking about Wayne Barnes in 7 and we're going to be talking about him again for the next 20 years
3: <laughs> i i'm quite i'm quite sure he he is he is not the reason New Zealand lost this this final that's we need to need to clear that up straight away how How's the? What sort of reaction have you seen from New Zealand already, Martin? And, and I guess how busy are the talkback lines going to be this week?
2: Oh look, they're going to go off, and, and they will go off, and, and they would have gone off if we had won as well. Jim, I want to know mm. what you think about that, and what my little spiel was there because I mean I can't look at it from a neutral perspective at the moment. I'm tied up in the emotion of the game and the loss and being inside that stadium.
4: I think the Aaron Smith no try. It was just one of those. That was right. Um like, it was a knock-on back at the lineup. Mm. But just the, the whole process, you've got Wayne Barnes saying on the run, uh, play on, not a knock-on, not a knock-on. Uh, and then you go through, you see a try, and then you go back, and then you find the knock-on, and then you go,
3: someone's been jostled in the air or there's been a... To, to his credit, when they establish that the knock-on is there straight away, it's actually Wayne Barnes who says, has he been played in the air first? So, so that's actually a case of the process working well, uh, and 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 then when you lay it out like that, it's 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 penalty infringement, then the knock on, then the try scored. So, the penalty infringement is there. The knock on would they would have had advantage if not for the knock on. So the knock on means the try can't stand. That's that's the obvious yeah. one there. So so you've got to give Barnes credit there. He did that. The, the last scrum, Martin. I um I. I was waiting for that to come up. That was always on the move. That that had to be reset. That and I know that fafter Clerk was standing there longer as long as he possibly could. But that scrum was on the move from the outset. So they it, it, no no referee worth their salt is going to let that be. Fed so, but, I uh, but it definitely would be an though, advantage.
2: I can, I can, you know, I can, I can agree with all of that. And obviously, when you're watching it on the TV, because we're you're sitting back watching it from as high up as we are, you don't get that replay and stuff like that. But I suppose my point is that for a neutral fan watching, in that, yeah, you know, do they know this? I mean, you guys know yeah. this, you guys have watched a lot of rugby, you can understand that. But for most people, do they know this, and is it good for mm-hmm. the game?
3: And, and what are you hearing in the stadium? I'll, I'll, we've certainly had conversations numerous times this year as to whether, uh, even with Angus Gardner early in the year when we, we had him on, does the referee's mic actually need to be over the PA so that the fans in the stadium can hear that as much as we well, do I on think TV? so.
2: You know, I think mm. it does. And I think football is probably getting this sort of right. I mean, you've got to explain things to people, Jim. Surely you do, don't you? People pay good mm. money for this and they pay good money to watch it. You know, it's uh, like completely. the to Explain it, of course.
4: Completely. And you, you get back to the, the Kane and Khaleesi uh, comparisons. Like I, I had people sort of ping, ping, ping at uh, yeah. just after 5am in, in my house and they're going, oh, this is where rugby's lost it. And it's not even that uh, there was shoulder-on-head uh, contact or head-on-head head contact and there's uh, mitigating circumstances because someone's lowered their body height and someone hasn't. And it's just the, the confusion that, uh, rugby's just in this straitjacket of just being too confusing. The rule book just it's, uh, goes from 150 pages to 200 pages <laughs> seemingly overnight and, and people just yeah. get strangled by the complicated nature of it and they just want a pure game. I, I watched the uh, Australia-France women's game and to halftime there were only three penalties. It was mm. a free-flowing game, still a, a lot of crunch in the, in the game and I'm not drawing too much of a comparison, but the game was the game and too much um, world rugby have, have got what they deserved in a way. Their whole last four years has been about yellow cards, red cards and um, the contact with the head and high. And they've had a world cup final uh, pretty much decided by those very issues that, that they've um, seen as essential to address, yeah. but also it's, um, it's contorted the game
3: mm. martin i'm conscious of, of time you'll be heading yeah, to a press I've conference a in just, just a second yeah, a yeah. Yeah. yeah what are we heading for in new zealand now are we talking national day of Mourning? how how does how does new zealand losing world cup be, get received back home
2: oh not well you know let's be honest not well <laughs> yeah. um you know it would have been a great thing for our country you know we're we've we've been a very divided country it's you know this little paradise that we have uh, it hasn't been such for the last couple of years. You know, we've got an inflation rate through the roof. We've got rising crime rates, which is scaring people. Yet, it costs nine dollars to buy a cauliflower at the supermarket. It costs three dollars seventy for a tank of gas, and things. Mm. And the All Blacks, especially, are one team that actually, you know, as cheesy as it might sound, really does unite our country and really does unite people and really just puts a lovely step and a skip in your stride. And especially when we and this is unusual for an all black fan to say, but especially when we're the underdogs and we came into this tournament, not being the best team in the world and not yeah. being the big swing in Johnson, of world rugby, like we normally feel like we are. And so to actually be in that position to, to fight our way past Ireland and then to get into this final. And, and I just think that the potential was a massive uplift for the country. And, uh, and a lot of people are going to just be feeling pretty downcast about that right now and understandably so. And the double whammy, of course, is you guys giving it to us in the cricket as well. I'm going to go to <laughs> this conference. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. your time. Tell Harry that, you know, we miss him like crazy and we'll talk again. Jim, it's always a pleasure, my friend. And thank it's you for been, very much, Brett, too. It's been thank great to talk long. to
3: you. To um, yeah, Harry Harry, and I have both spoken to you uh, through the tournament on, on your platform, uh, on your show, on the platform in New Zealand. Uh, Try and enjoy some post-match, and and uh, and try and enjoy your last few days there in France. Good on you, mate.
2: Yeah, I look forward to the press conferences. Thank you, fellows. Really, really, really enjoyed that.
3: So great to hear from from Martin Devlin there. Um, great to get the news reactions straight after the the match, Jim. What's your uh, what What's your thinking now that we've time to process all this?
4: Well, you have to ask the question: Are are the Springboks the greatest of World Cup sides? Of course, they didn't play in the first two World Cups. They were banned from world sport at that point. So there's been eight uh, since their entry in, in 1995, and they won four of them. That's a 50% strike mm. rate. Phenomenal effort. And you just saw how much it meant to the South Africans. There's no team more comfortable in their skin than South Africa. That might mean uh, the box kick. Uh, that might mean a huge posse of fast chasers. To make a box kick actually work, mm. uh, they use their wingers more than they did in uh, 2019. Uh, they're a improved side on 2019, and can I say what a debacle that this great country doesn't have hosting rights to a World Cup? Yeah, we're going to a wonderful rugby force, the USA, in 2031 that should be in South Africa. That should be played in South Africa as it was in 95 to sell out crowds across the country and go to a hardcore rugby nation where the whole country is going to celebrate. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, I can't can't disagree with that at all. You all know and love the instant reaction format. Um, Our... Uh, immediate post-match thoughts, albeit it's a little while now. Uh, we're a little bit later than what we've usually go on. What we've just seen in in Paris, we will come up with the headline summaries of the game. We'll go through those, and then we'll move through different components of the game, highlights, lowlights, and things like that. So, Harry, I'm going to start with you with a headline, and this, I mean, it'll be almost incomprehensible. I'm guessing, but did you did you have a headline out of that?
1: Ah, uh, just enough guts, all the glory. I think it was one yeah, of those matches where everyone good. put all their intestines on the field. I'm not going to take anything away from the, the Warriors, the Barrett brothers, and these guys. Uh, they gave everything. Um, it was just fine margins. and But when you have just enough
4: guts, um, yeah, I'm going to worried.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. Jim, Do you have a headline?
4: Oh, I'm going straight out with one-point wonders. The Springboks to to win in this World Cup matches by a single point against France, England and now the All Blacks. That's incredible. The margin between being a one-point loser and a one-point winner is the greatest in all of sports. Yes. You have yes. to be able to nail uh, a tight game and the box did it brilliantly. There was no point in that game did I think the All Blacks were playing with less than 15 players. That's how... Their warriors rose to the occasion, as Harry said. They played brilliantly, but the box just had it. They had that character and that finish uh, to win the World Cup, and that is the pinnacle. It's not yeah. being a, a great um, loser in a World Cup quarterfinal. They won the final, and full credit to them. Brilliant play by so many players. Uh, the Etzebeths and the Peter Steff de Toit, and can I say Andre Pollard, absolutely superb mm. his calm.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good shout. It's a good shout. My my headline is, is just four simple words, and it is Peter Steph Detoy, and that is the difference between the two sides. I'm keen to see how you saw his performance there on the ground because he was just phenomenal. He had 15 tackles, I think, by half time. Um, a lot of them were dominant, and he was just he was so good luck tonight in this game absolutely incredible
1: well he's my favourite player man (laughs) I mean I love the guy he makes me cry because he works so hard (laughs) Uh, I watch him when I'm live I watch him every play I don't know if you guys have this kind of thing when you go to a match live you just watch a certain player and he's always been my guy Um, I know his family I know where he's from I know he's so humble it just works his socks off man and the tournament, I, I said, whoever has the best six at the end uh, is going to win. Terramani, yeah. hats off to you. Um, you know, you, you were amazing. Uh, the French and Lucys were all amazing. Marcos Kramer, what a warrior. Yeah. Uh, Courtney Lawrence. I mean, give the fucking guy a knighthood. But I'm just <laughs> telling you right now, Peter Toy was the man. Um, he's always been the hardest worker in the bot camp. He has a great time in 800 meters. I don't know if you know that, but he can. He's a big guy who works, and um, and at the end he
3: cries, and I love that about him. Yeah, yeah, and he was he was the man of the match. Uh, let's hear from him now, uh, speaking on the world feed with Louise Ransom.
0: Well, Peter, congratulations! My goodness, what a game that was! What an arm wrestle it was! Tell me what's going through your
5: mind right now. Oh, firstly, I want to give my only really, father thanks for giving us the opportunity and for helping us as a team through this World Cup and uh, through the whole campaign. It's an unbelievable honour and a privilege to play with this team and giving us the opportunity. Uh, yeah, the last three games was was quite tough. So each one we played as a final and yeah, each one was by one point. So it was, yeah, it was quite tough for us and we're quite happy with the win. There was so much drama in that match. How did you manage to get through with that win? Yeah, I guess as a team we like drama. We've been having drama for the last few years at the moment. so. I think it helped us a lot as a team to, to cope through the drama and to handle it. And I think it shows the resilience of this team and the, the whole South Africa as well.
2: South Africa now becomes the, the only country to have won four Rugby World Cups. What does that mean to this group to achieve that?
5: Yeah, so for the whole of South Africa, we, we're honoured to be able to play for you guys and to play for the Springboks. And I know the, when we go back home, it's going to be a warm welcome for us. And we really want to thank everyone for supporting us and all the people that came through I know it's expensive for us to come and support us and I've got so much friends and family and I know the whole 62, 64 million South Africans are supporting us, so we're quite thankful for that. Congratulations. We're, we're not going
3: to do stocks rising and falling straight after a final, guys, but let's just rave a little bit more about the best players on either side of the contest. Peter Steph was obviously the, the the man of the match. Who were your standouts, Harry? Oh, man, I
1: mean, I mean it's Andre Polo. You know, you know, he had he had a tough tournament because he was not named in this team. He was on the sidelines, he had to watch a lot of guys play, but the, the ability to come on and and take his chances, uh smash in the head, bleeding, uh just kept going. Um I think Andre Pollard is one of the greatest South African flyoffs ever, but he never gets mentioned. So I'll yeah. say he's stuck because I don't think he's stuck as the highest.
3: Yeah, yeah. Jim, who are, you, who are your standouts? We've, we've touched on a few. Uh,
4: well, I, I agree with Harry there. Uh, Pollard was uh, exceptional. But I, I'd give a shout-out to Fury, the replacement hooker. Yeah,
3: it was great. Uh, he came into the really tournament um,
4: late, and he has just played a terrific match for 77 minutes as a replacement for the number one South African hooker. And he, he just uh, fitted in so perfectly to that aggressive, um, full-eight pack mentality that the South Africans had. So I'd say he was uh, exceptional. Uh, Colby ending up on the sideline with his head in his hands, not wanting to have a look at what might transpire. He had a brilliant tournament, Uh, scored one of the great tries of the tournament and had a a great final as well, just with the, the hassle he was able to put on the... Uh, all black uh, opponents, um, so they're just a couple. But there, there wasn't a bad player amongst uh, the South Africans because they all play such an ensemble mm. uh, part in just a, a great hole and uh, yeah. brilliant performance. Yeah,
3: it it, it, it's bit, it was great. Uh, Franco Mostert got through a mountain of work. Um, yeah, both both props were uh, the the, the hot the, the starting front row was 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 great. Um, Dion Furry, we mentioned last week, as being a as being a standout. So, um, you know, he's, he's been able to back that up. On the other side of the contest, Artie Savia just gave absolutely everything he possibly could for the All Blacks in this game. He gave everything. Um, Aaron Smith was fantastic in, in what will be his last test match as well. Um, and uh, you've got to fear for a guy like Sam Whitelock, who has had been so influential in games coming off the bench, but he just... He he had moments, um, and and they went with three locks at the end, effectively New Zealand, uh, but they just couldn't quite spark that that New Zealand pack. But I mean, there was they they were so strong, they were so strong to the very end. It might it might be one of the better performances of a losing team.
4: Yeah, well, you you cut it down to the fine points, and New Zealand had two chances to win that test, that World Cup final. They had kicks to win it. Mm. Uh, Sevilla and then Geordie uh, Barrett from Long Range. So,
3: yeah, Moanga uh, obviously that's yeah. a
4: skill. Um, that's a skill, and they weren't able to complete those skills. So yeah. we had Pollard again, just faultless off the tee, and that counts in the big games. We've seen it mm. over and over again. So uh, New Zealand had the chance.
3: Yeah, he even managed to to skew one in off the uh off, off goal post Um Conversely, Harry, is there is there anyone on? either side of the contest that he perhaps won't rush to try and take in a replay?
1: Yeah, so I want to say something about the New Zealand scrum. I mean, they were rock solid. In the stadium, every time there was a scrum, we were all banging for blood, and it never moved. It was like concrete. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, there were so many moments where the scrum was supposed to fold and it never did. So hats off to um, Old Black Scrum. I think, of course, i very difficult when you're live. I know, Jim, you've been in a lot of these matches, and the, the refs are in an old time microscope in this World Cup. I don't know what was going on in some of those calls, so I, I don't want to say anything, but um, there were a couple of hotly dis- disputed calls I'd knock on uh, in the lead-up to the try. I don't know. All I'll say is uh, the refs did a good job. Um, yeah. The, stadium, the setting itself was, guys, it was amazing in here. Um you know, they, had, they pulled out all the whistles. Um, so whoever was going to win this match was going to win it by a couple of unfortunate errors and a couple of big moments. That's all. It, it was never yeah. it was never going to be a runaway for anyone.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a good shout. And Wayne Barnes, I think, had a very, very good game. In his last test too, we should give a shout-out, Jim.
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it, how difficult is it to, to referee in that cauldron that we're, we're seeing there? Yeah. Um, he did go back on that Aaron Smith no try and very matter-of-factly go back to... Yeah, worked it through uh, as we discussed with Martin. Uh, as yeah. discussed um, earlier. Yeah. So to get to the right result there is the important part. Yeah. You like can talk about how long it went out and going back to even a previous um, indiscretion to award a penalty, but he got it right, and that's yes. what you want. Um, the, the straight jacket, again, that World Rugby's put referees under with uh, the certain high contacts and the shoulder dips and the um, mitigating circumstances thing. That's something that rugby has to wrestle with. And it's really the fans. The fans will get – they don't – they do care about player safety but they care about their game being mangled as yeah. well. And yeah. it's, a, it's a really no-win situation. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm not here to, to say one thing or the other because I want player safety to to uh, overrule everything. That's that's really significant in the game.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and so someone who was on the end of the, the player safety was obviously C Khaleesi, the South African captain, who was fantastic again. And I was actually surprised he went back on after his yellow card. But when he did go back on, he was very keen to finish uh, with, a, with a positive impact on the game, and he definitely did that. Let's hear from him uh, speaking with Louise Ransom as well.
2: we we'll see ya. Congratulations. Back-to-back Rugby World Cup wins. Tell me about this moment right now for
0: you. There's no ways I can explain it in words. I want to give credit to the Oblets. <laughs> they, they took us to the end. They took us to a tough place. It just shows what kind of team they are to fight with the men down from early in the game. And they fought and they put us so much under pressure. But yeah, credit to my boys too for that fight. Yeah, I'm just grateful we could pull it off. Tell me
2: about that contest tonight. There was drama, there were cards on both sides. How do you think your side managed to just hold it together?
0: Well, we had to. We lost our hooker in the early... In, in the early um, part of the game, and then we obviously had to adjust to that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on us, they put a pressure on our lineouts, but we found a way, somehow, we found a way. And honestly, uh, I don't think any, like, people that are not from South Africa don't understand what this means for our country, you know, it's not, it's not just about the game on the field, you know, our country goes through such a lot, and we are that bearing hope that they have, you know, and Yeah, we're just grateful that we can be here. And I just want to tell the people of South Africa, thank you so much. Children from a third world country, you know, who just fight and fight over and over, you know, for people that need hope. And this team just shows what diversity can do for our team, you know, for for our country as well. As soon as we work together, all is possible, no matter in what sphere, you know, on the field, in offices, it just shows for for, for what we can do there. And I'm grateful for this team. I'm so proud of it.
2: Huge congratulations.
0: See you. Well done. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, guys,
3: thinking about this, the tournament more broadly, Rugby World Cup 2023 in France, how's the – I mean, first and foremost on the final still, how's the final going to be remembered in the grand scheme of Rugby World Cups? I think the final will be
4: remembered like uh, many, many of the finals. that it, mm. The greatest rugby has played before the final – in, in pure rugby terms, the great tries and the great uh, skills. And then the final so often is that unbelievable matching of wills and character that goes so deep, you can't believe, as Harry has put it perfectly in yeah. the picture, of how deep it goes and the what it means to two countries. And you just get one heavyweight standing at the end with the trophy. So, again, all plaudits to... South Africa, but you look back in history, like ninety five was that attritional game, two thousand seven was an attritional game. That, that's just the way it is. There's been a few uh, blowouts as well. But mm. uh yeah, the the tournament itself there'll be lots of highs lots of highs through uh yeah. France, who are great host we
3: we'll, and we'll and we'll get onto the highs in a minute. Harry, we better get your highlight of the of, of the of the tournament recorded now because you're gonna Go and party for a week now, and you won't remember anything after this.
1: I'm gonna to party tonight. I'm gonna to go to Cape Town, Durban, Pretorian party, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna have a sabbatical from uh, texting, posting, and all that. And I'll say this: my, my <laughs> was basically being around the families, and um, you know, uh, little girl, little daughter, uh, crying because she he was coming off with a with a hurt knee. And I just yeah. told her everything's gonna be all right. Your that is gonna be fine, and then everything was fine. Was a good a
3: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just celebrating now mid podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. you not
3: moving along. Um... <laughs> Jim, I think the podcast has been hijacked. Tell me. Tell me
4: but and the best possible way i want to i reckon my highlight of the world cup is still to come to me harry jones uh, parade parade the celebr- to yeah. to cape town i think it'll be oh, my
3: goodness the celebrations have started early um uh, we will try, we'll try and extract harry from this situation that he's got can you can you think about some players of the tournament jim who who have, who have been some of your standouts well bundyaki uh,
4: for sure uh outstanding uh i, I thought will jordan Uh, Some brilliant uh, tries through the tournament, but not his best game in the final, I I would have to say. I I think the the physicality, uh, just having the ball ripped from his grasp by Quagga Smith, that was pure intensity of a World Cup final. Uh, He knocked on earlier in the final as well. So I think you saw his reaction leaving the field, that he was less than satisfied with his own game. Mm. Um, I think some other big players... uh, Pernod from France was extremely good, uh, Antoine Dupont to to come back from yeah. basically a broken bone in his face and still have such a wonderful impact on a quarterfinal uh, was tremendous heart. To me, apart from the final, I would say the two quarterfinals that the yeah, saw yeah. between France and South Africa and the All Blacks and Ireland. The two of the greatest games of rugby I've seen across 40 years. They were. They should be packaged and shown to to kids and people wanting to find a love for rugby, newcomers mm. to the game, because they had everything. They had the little deft chip kicks over the top uh, in attack. They had wonderful protection of the ball, sublime skills, great tries, mm. plus that theatre of a close game. Uh, when everything was on the line between two countries, so that was they were the highlights for me. Those two quarterfinals, absolutely yeah, supreme. Yeah, yeah.
3: W- weren't the feel-good stories, Harry? What were the the moments within the World Cup where you just went, "How good is our game"?
1: Uh, so I thought the referees were at a high standard this tournament. I think they were done a real yeah. deal by the home home fans. I think they were really good. Um, I think they're much better than 2015 or 2019 uh, as a as a base standard. I think the loose forward play in this tournament was really good. Lavani Botia, uh, like I said, the number sixes. Yeah. Kalen Torres was uh, unbelievable. Artie Savaya. Um, uh, the, the list goes on and on about classic, you know, rambunctious loose forwards who, who gave their heart and soul. I would say, you know, when you look at one-point wins, though, you have to look at game managers. And so yeah. I'm going to go back to the idea that, you know, Fafta Clerk and Andre Paule were not always – number one pick and in the end they steered the ship home and I think um, Aaron Smith took about two, what of tournaments still the best man in the world for yeah. me um, and, and it mattered on teams to have two or three game managers on at the end it's you know what Eddie Jones did the did the worst actually but the teams that were there at the end they had experienced people who knew how to steer the ship at the end and um, I mean the box would not be holding the trophy without Andre Pollard so I'll just go mm. there too
3: yeah, no, it's, it's 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 so true. It's it's going to be great to to look back on the inevitable, you know, highlights video that does come out, the official film, and things like that, and and we'll see the performances of the teams like Fiji, who were just fantastic, and they were, they were so so good, and and I'm so happy for Simon rubber to be to be nominated uh, as, as as coach of the world, world rugby coach of the year because it's such a, a deserving honour. But I think about. Uh, like Portugal, who were a team that we we didn't really know a lot about, but they were they played the game the right way. They you know they knew they weren't going to be making the quarterfinals, but they just gave it everything and they did beat Fiji at the end. And they they just had such a great tournament, and it was so impossible not to get around a team like that. It was so good to see um, you know Chile in their first World Cup. You know they beat the US to qualify. And they were fantastic. And, and all of a sudden you realise that the game's actually in a pretty good spot in South America and, and that, that that might be the next the next big growth area. Um, I mean, so many feel-good stories out of it that that, that you just, this is, Jim, why we love Rugby World Cups. It is,
4: but uh, you touched on a good point there. Now we can't just pat Chile on the head and Portugal on the head and say, that's fantastic, see you in four yeah. years. The, the big decisions taken by World Rugby to institute uh, the new tournament involving the elite yeah, teams the nation, of the world, the 12 the nation's championship in the nation's championship, they have to follow through and in those off years. There has to be far more contact between Tier 2 and Tier 1. In our part of the world, let's talk about Australia's part of the world, that has to be Fiji coming to <laughs> Australia. Yes. That has to be Samoa coming to Australia. Not just for one-off test that means bugger all when they might only have uh, half their European players. They need to play a couple of lead-up games. They need to play a couple of super rugby sides. We need more Mm. content in Australia. Have Fiji playing Queensland. Have Fiji playing New South Wales. Have Samoa playing a midweek game down in Melbourne who trumpet all the time about their Pacifica base. That needs to be the blueprint World Rugby can throw money into that because they know it's not going off to uh, dodgy administrators in the Pacific that's what they need to do and he needs to be followed through not with this um, oh yeah we've come to a uh, agreement about it, it has to mm. happen and yeah. USA um, Canada, they've got to be pulled up by their bootstraps and told you're a failure at the moment get your act together
3: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be a, a big point from here and and Harry, obviously, you're you're there in amongst it. I mean, you're there in amongst it right now, but you're in the thick of it, within US. I mean, that's that's got to be a big focus for, for for world rugby going forward. I mean, obviously, they'll you would think they'll play the next World Cup, expanding to twenty four teams, but there's still a bit of work to be done there in North America. Yeah,
1: you know, the infrastructure is there, and you have to you know the talent has to follow. At some point. Um, Players and bodies on the field have to follow, but the infrastructure is there. I don't really worry hmm. about that one. Actually, at this point, I'm a little bit more worried about Australia and just making sure that you know what a great country, the number three or four country in the history of rugby, that
3: it makes a good showing,
1: yeah. which has to happen in the next two or three years.
3: Yeah, and so we probably need to touch on on those on, on Australia. It was beyond disappointment that they didn't beyond that didn't go beyond the pool stage. Um, they seemed. Uh, They seem shackled from the outset They seem shackled from the the squad selection And Eddie Jones To his credit I suppose Is standing by that to the very end But he's turned this whole Year into uh, Well debacle's the word That I've got So I guess the question is where does this debacle go from here Because it seems like it can only end One way for me now Um, What's your thoughts on that Jim?
4: Well, the the thing I've never bought into from Eddie is that this was the rugby recession that Australia had to have. Yeah, great. Um, Seriously, are we now saying, oh, we need a five-year plan to get to a, a World Cup and blow off a World Cup in between? There was a tacit agreement between Eddie and the whole fan base of rugby in Australia that he did the best possible job at this World Cup And if he had to butcher everything and start again at the beginning of next year, fine. Fine. But he owed it to every grassroots uh, supporter, every uh, sponsor, everyone involved in Australian rugby to have the best possible crack at this World Cup Mm. to get to the quarterfinals. He did not because uh, his own uh, rush-rush mentality, um, his change mentality, yeah, uh, perhaps even his ego not being able to accept Dave Rennie's team. I'll have Eddie's team. Uh, he needs to make less changes. The biggest debacle that can't be spoken about is how many ridiculous coaches he had off the field. No one can take a shot of them because no one saw what they were doing. No Defence coach,
3: and now they've all moved. Just
4: to... ridiculous, ridiculous. The French uh, rolling more coach from lineouts. Who was a halfback? one the whole year. A yeah. joke. Yeah. Like there's so many things that were bungled yeah. and uh, Eddie Jones has to take full responsibility. What happens from here is uh, there'll be a tango between Eddie and uh, Rugby Australia. Eddie will take a payout and he will uh, bob up in Japan. That will yeah. be how it uh, plays out. People forget that Eddie was unceremoniously dumped by Rugby Australia in his first um period as coach so his love for australian rugby is 110 percent. his love for love for rugby australia the administrative body is mm, far less. less he will be yeah. taking money to leave australia and that's fair enough it's a business deal and he'll bob
3: up in japan that's just how it's going to yeah. roll out the, the 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 damage he's done in 12 months is the is the real issue and and i like I wrote, I wrote these names down uh, nearly two weeks ago, I, I reckon, and and I worry about you know guys like uh, like like Harry Wilson, like Kitau like you know Ryan Lonigan, Lockham like and Lonigan, um, you know Darcy Swain, um, Tom Wright, Jake Gordon, Matt Gibbon, Jed Holloway. They are guys that have been in his squads and have been in his teams this year, and he dropped them cold. Over the course of the year and in some cases the week before a world cup none of those guys are older than 30. matt gibbons 28 holloway's 30. the, the rest of them are 23 to 26. these are guys that are in the primes are coming into the prime of their career and you've just got to wonder now harry what sort of damage has been done to the confidence of these guys this year and, and even the guys that have played
1: I think he got used to uh, working in the RFU in England where you have infinite depth and you could like run mm. through players. But in Australia, you you have you know one or two deep. And I, I think he just wasted that opportunity. Guys, the bench- benchmark was right there. The English series in Australia, it was very close. Look where England yes. is today. Third place. Um, yeah. It wasn't that different. Uh, I don't buy Eddie's excuse that, that they were a million miles away. They were not a million miles away. The Wallabies were... Nah just as good as Wales, just as good as England. Of course, look at the results in 2022. They were right there with France, they were right there with Ireland. Um, yeah. He, he just indulged in some like, I don't know, some silly gimmicks. Couldn't a- admit that he was wrong. and then he dug down deep, doubled down, and we know what happened.
3: Yeah. And it feels like now, the sooner it can be over, the better. Mate, give us a final thought there in the stadium. Give us a try and wrap up your day for us.
1: Oh, so the French definitely started with the old Blacks on the day. Uh, they were still sore about being hooted out. So that added some spice. But uh, I would say that the stadium felt like about 60, 40, maybe 70, 30 uh, bucks. Uh, it seemed like a classic final, like Jim said. It reminded me of the 2011 final, I think, with the French. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was not going to be much in it. Justin Colby could squeeze the ball. That's a try. Um, a knock on here, knock on there. It's different. Uh, yeah, just you know, maybe five or six moments. Uh, and that's that's the kind of match that, that happens when you have two teams this this good who want to win it this bad,
3: yeah, yeah, which is which is fantastic. It's been fantastic. Look, thanks so much, Mud, for, for, for joining us. The, the, the tournament reviews will begin in earnest from here. We'll certainly have another crack at it uh, on the weekly pot out in a few days, but I think let's. Let's put the instant reaction, the final instant reaction for 2023 behind us after South Africa's 12-11 win over New Zealand in this morning's Rugby World Cup final. Um, our thanks, our huge thanks to Martin Devlin for joining us a little bit earlier. Um, Jim, thank you for joining us for the final and throughout the year for the uh, for the uh, for, for the instant reactions. It's been great to uh, to get your uh, your insights and um, and your thoughts on things the, the whole way through. We've really appreciated it.
4: Uh, my pleasure. Can't look more forward to 2027 in Australia. The, uh, our country will do a great job in hosting the next World Cup
3: and bring it on. Yeah, yeah it'll be great. Let's go, man. All right, go on. Off you go. Go and join the party. That's Harry Jones on his way out there to join the party there. But we'll have all the fallout today, tomorrow, and throughout the week on theraw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favourite Rugby World Cup analysis, opinions and conversations. Uh, A shout-out to the Wallaroos who produced arguably the Australian Performance of the Year to beat France 29-20 on Saturday in Dunedin, their first win of the WXV Series uh, underway in New Zealand, as Jim mentioned a little earlier. Thanks so much for your company. Tony and Christy will be back to wrap up their two months in France for you on Monday morning Australian time, uh, while Harry and I will be back on Wednesday morning For a wrap up of the whole Rugby World Cup with Sean Maloney, the the final episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast powered by ASICS for 2023, where we'll look back at not just the tournament, but the whole bloody podcast year.